Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. We'd like to say welcome to Brother Grant's friend. Nice to have you with us here tonight. All right. All right. Um, Brother Cliff, if you would put those scriptures up there, I have something I'd like to share with you tonight. I'm going to read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, and then Proverbs 27 and 17. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Amen. And then uh, Proverbs, uh, we're going to read just one verse there. Proverbs is much harder to find than Hebrews. Just kidding. So you got a Bible that they left a book out or what? All right, here we go. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And I would like to talk to you here this evening. Title of this is Provoked and Sharpened in the House of God. Amen. How many of you have a, a sibling, a brother or sister that provokes you once in a while? Anybody ever have one of those? No, 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 no. But there, I, I would like to, we're going to look at that word just a little bit, but I would like to share with you a, a photo. Hey, that's a, good, that's a good photo right there, Cliff. In fact, I've got, it's too early to uh, bring it out, but I have uh, something that I was going to share. I found this old knife that I got somehow. We're going to share with you. But if you would, if you'd put that photo up there that I gave you. This is a friend of mine that I met at the gym. And uh, this man has lost, hold on your hat, he's lost 250 pounds. That's the after. Came in in a wheelchair, started coming to the gym in a wheelchair, and took him three years. And uh, I saw him just yesterday. He's still going after it. And uh, I, I, may, I, I couldn't even believe it, right? I mean, I heard stories, and finally I just had to go up and say, hey, Larry, I mean, I'm hearing this, but this can't be true. He says, yeah. And... But the key here is what I wanted to share with you is, I said, well, what sparked you? What motivated you? What provoked you? Amazing thing. 
He says, well, I had a new grandson born into the world. He said, I looked at that little guy, and he said, you know what? I want to be around long enough to appreciate him and, and be able to share his life as long as I can. See, and, and uh, I think we all, uh, you know, if we really, really want to do something, I mean, it, it, something out of the ordinary, something that we've never done before, right? You've got you to find, you find that thing that, you know, that moves you on, right? That's what, that's what did it for that man. And I was re reminded here of a story uh, in the Bible that I've used for several, um, I, I've taught on it, preached on it several times, but just a, a very uh, heart-wrenching story of Hannah. Everybody's heard the story of Hannah, of course. And what's interesting, the Bible says that in 1 Samuel 1, 6, and 7, it says, and her adversary also provoked her sore, made her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb, and she had, well, there was a second wife involved, okay? And not, we're not promoting that in this day, but, you know. He, he, uh, he had a, a second wife named Peninnah. And every time they would go to the house of God, I would say every time they'd go to the house of God, Peninnah had several kids. Hannah never had any. And Peninnah would, would provoke her every time they came to the house of God to worship. It was a, when you walked into the house of God back then, if you had children, you were thought well of. If you were barren, there was a problem with you. Okay? They believed that if you were barren back in those days that you know, God did, didn't, for whatever reason, he just didn't like you very much. And this, her penina, the Bible says her adversary, provoked her to the point, we know the story, right? Provoked her to the point where she got into a level, a dimension of prayer, where the Bible says that her heart spoke, but no words came out. And literally gave birth, that prayer gave birth to who? Samuel. Much needed voice in that day. But interesting though, if you research that word penina, okay, if you trace it far enough, if you search it far enough, it has a root meaning of pearl. You know how you get a pearl? How does a pearl come into being? By constant irritation. Right? Constant irritation, grinding away. And what was, you see, what, what that constant provoking, that constant irritation literally impelled her, compelled her to give birth to something that was just absolutely incredible. 
And so I want to, you know, I want to look at that. The Bible, I read to you from the book of Hebrews, and it says, says it, there's a day coming, okay? And we know that, are we living in the end times? Are we, well, we're closer, I would have to say, right? 2,000 years, we're closer than we, we ever have been. But <clears throat> I read to you that it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because especially when you see the day approaching, we're in a very challenging day to say the least. I don't know how it is down home, but we're in the state of Washington. We're one of four states still has mask mandates. But with that, the, the writer there, he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together so much the more, but when you do come together, he says, it should be a time where he uses the word, you provoke one another to love and good works. It's a time where when we do come together, we've got to, we've got to, you need sometimes, right? You need somebody sometimes to kind of push you forward, kind of nudge you a little bit. Try to encourage you, say, hey, come on, we can, you know, we're going to, not only are we going to make it through this, but we are going to be much better than we ever have before. And so the writer says that now. But the word provoke, it comes from a Greek word. And it means to incite to good, to sharpen alongside, okay? It means to come alongside somebody and sharpen them up. And, but before we get to that, I, I thought we, we should look, because he talks about that we should have, when we assemble together, when we come together, we should be ready. We should have our game face on, if you will. We should be encouraging one another for the simple reason the preceding verses there, let me, let me just, uh, I'm going to paraphrase some of it, but it says, because of the blood atonement of Jesus, we have absolute remission, forgiveness, and cancellation of the penalty of sin. Amen? That's something to shout about. It says, and we have full freedom and confidence to enter into the holy of holies by the power and virtue of the blood of Jesus. So he's saying, when you come together, we've been, those of, that have been born again, all right? When we come together, we should come together with the idea, all right, we are here, we are completely confident in the power and the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. So when we come together, we don't have that hanging over our heads. We don't, we don't have that. I don't have that penalty of unrepented sin hanging, hanging over my head. I'm confident 
that he is taking care of it. Amen? So he's saying, so by virtue of that, and then he said, uh, let us all come. Oh, hold on. says, and since we have such a wonderful high priest, Jesus, who rules over the house. In other words, we, he is the one that is taking care of business. It's his church. It's his house. He paid the price. He's not going to stand by and just let things be, you know, be average, just A-OK. And he says, so let us come forward and draw near with honest and sincere hearts in unqualified assurance, absolute trust, and confidence in his power, his wisdom, his goodness, having our hearts, minds, and bodies cleansed. With that, we read to you, now let us hold fast, therefore, the profession of our faith without wavering. And instead, let us consider one another to provoke unto love, to good works. That means to give attention, continuous care, watching over one another, learning how we may stir up and incite to love, helpful deeds, and noble activities. So, when we already have that full knowledge that when we come into, here we are on a Wednesday night. Not much can happen on a Wednesday night, right? But when we already have that full assurance that business is taken care of, then when we come in, and we should have complete confidence that when we begin to worship God, that He is going to be right in the midst of wherever two or three come together. And when we do, when we do, we have every God-purchased given right to be in the business of provoking one another, to encouraging one another, to help people and, and uh, encourage them with an understanding that, hey, there is a great life living for God. It is the best. You don't have to go. You don't have to hang, have shame and guilt and all of that stuff hanging over, to your, over your head. You can get rid of it, and you can find a place in God where there is peace, love, and joy. Amen. And uh, so they, but sometimes we need you know, you need that motivator. You need that provoker. Sometimes it can, you might think of it as a negative like Hannah did, but it turns out to be a positive. I'm going to give you a couple of examples, not to, not to be, you know, to be prideful, but just to make a point. Sister Kathleen and I, uh, we've been together for a couple of years. 45, are you that old? 45 years? We're not, we're catching you. But 
there, there are two really, I, I don't know how to say it other than uh, great accomplishments in my life, Sister Kathleen's life, that to me were motivated by somebody telling me that it couldn't be done. Or more distinctly, that I couldn't. One of them, and uh, I say this humbly before God, but one of them was Kathleen and I, when we led a small group in building, putting up the sanctuary. Can't, you can't. You can't do that. I mean, with a handful of people, you can't do that. You can't. You can't. Come on. Ain't going to happen. We did. The reason why is because that God was with us in doing that. The reason why is because that even though Mostly, okay, there was a few people that bought into it, but mostly everybody other than her and me, we believed that we could do it. We believed that we could because it was for the glory of God. And if God was in it, if God is in it, the impossible happens, literally, literally. And the other thing, in, in my, in me as an individual, was that uh, I, uh, I was at a point in life, I was at a point in life where I needed, I needed somebody to challenge me. I can't explain it other than I needed, I needed somebody to. So you know what happened? I met a mountain climber. And they challenged me to go on a little hike to a little place called Mount Everest. And, you know, everybody, you know, well, I don't know anybody that told me in my, you know, in my family, anybody said I could do it. Everybody said, you're crazy. You can't do that. You can't just you can't just go to Mount Everest. I mean, you just can't. You know, you ever climb mountain? No. What kind of training you? Well, I climbed Badger Mountain a few times. You can't just do that. that you can't do that. You know what? I believe that I could, and I believe that because of the situation because I needed a, a, it was a spiritual challenge as well as a physical challenge. I believed that God was in it. And I sure did. So I took my security check, bought an airline ticket to Kathmandu, and did a little 100 mile hike to Mount Everest Base Camp, 17,500 feet up, and it, it, it almost did kill me. But I, you know why? 
And, and it, there was a couple of times when I, you know, when better sense told me, you know, you're not doing very well. You're pretty sick. You better get, you better turn around and go back. But here's the deal. That's why when we come together, Okay, you're going to find somebody to tell you, you can make it. You are going to do it. You can get through this. You can go to that place. Because when I was ready to turn around, Brother Smith, I had a five-foot-four Sherpa guide, and I was sicker than sick. He looked at me. He evaluated me. My life was in his hands, right? The only way you get out of there is a helicopter. And he looked at me and he said, okay, you look good. <laughs> and so I tell people, he says, let's go outside. We go outside. He does a DUI thing on me, right? He says, okay, you got this. You can do this. And two days later, I got it. But you understand that's why, and, and I, I, I share people with that. The story, once I got there, once I started, right, once I started, nobody that I ever met along that 50 miles up, 50 miles back, nobody that I ever meet, even the people that turned around and came back because they couldn't make it, nobody ever said anything to me other than once, once you know, we met, or I met people, they said, you got this, man. See, that's what mountain climbers say to each other. That's what we say. That's what we tell each other here. We don't tell people that they're not going to make it. We don't tell them that we offer them the absolute 100% guarantee that if they give their heart to God, they will make it. You know why? Is because you and I are witnesses through our life experience where God has brought us and where he has taken us to. Why didn't you know you had that? Huh. Pretty cool. Who is that? But, so the writer was saying, he said, hey, he says, when you come together, when you come together especially, especially when you see days out there that are a little bit crazy. He says, all the more you need to come together so that you can provoke one another and tell one another because you're going to be going out into a world, your job site, your schools, where they're telling you that you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. But we're here to tell the world that they can, they can, they can. Because there's no reason why not. Because Jesus paid the price. And when he paid the price, he became ruler, high priest, he rules over. He has, he oversees his own house, mind you. Amen. So that's what, and then I wanted to, uh, I wanted to get that, but, but you, 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 you know, you can be, 
you can be motivated. You can be provoked. You can want to do something, right? And you're not ready to get it done. Read to you, and we, we've used that scripture a, a lot, where it says, iron sharpeneth iron. Can you put that back up there, Brother Chris? Iron sharpeneth iron. What that, what that saying is, hey, it takes, when you, when you have a brother, when you have a sister, when you have a family member, okay, we are meant to literally come along, Brother Andrew. I'm, I'm, that's right. We're sharpening each other up. Because here's what happens. Now, I've got a, Brother Carl happened to be here tonight, so I said, yeah, I might as well bring the knife. I have a, this must be a pretty nice knife. I don't know if I'm going to use it without it, but it is pretty sharp. This was a gift from Brother Smith at the end of last Saturday here. But what happens is twofold. We need to, we need to assemble. But when we go out into the, how many of you have, a little bit of challenges, everyone. Stressful days on the job. Anybody have one of those? School. Yeah. What happens? If I'm careful, because when I'm hanging out with people that encourage me, we get a little. We tend to lose our edge, and we tend to get a little bit. We can get dulled by all the stress and and the, the things that. Really do. We can just. And the writer is saying there, he's saying, iron sharpeneth iron. And it, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his brother. Now, word countenance, that means that when we come together, it's not, you know, it's, it's to encourage one another, but it's also we can. We need to be sharp because the world is dull, okay? God needs a sharp church, okay, in his dull world. We have to absolutely be the best that we can be. And the way that that happens is that you have to hang out with people that are sharp. Right. And there's a... There's a, um, when it says sharpens the countenance of another, that means, could mean his face, his appearance, but more so his character. Now, you could turn to somebody tonight and say, hey, you know, I need to sharpen you up a little bit here. Right? <laughs> Yeah, you need to sharpen up your, your wardrobe here a little bit. But how do we stay faith sharp? Okay? In 1 Timothy 4.8, and uh, Brother Ryan, I don't know if you can get that real quick, but the, the word, there's a word exercise 
okay? For bodily, it says, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. That word exercise there, it comes from, we get our English word, gymnasium. It says, but godliness is very profitable. So if I could kind of draw a parallel here, it says, but godliness profits for eternity. So let me ask you. You go, where do you, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you get sharp? How do you stay sharp? You go to the house of God, which could be our gym. Think of it as your gym, right? Your altar. Exercise. Prayer. Exercise. Reading the Bible. If I were to ask how many are reading the Bible through this year, but you know, there's a difference between just reading the Bible through and knowing what's in there. There really is. But that's it. You know, you you have to you have to exercise. And Hebrews 12 and 1 says, "Let us run with patience the race that is set before us." Here, the word race comes from the Greek word agon, which we get our English word agony. Now, Brother Andrew's a runner, but you don't run long distance, right? How many of you have ever tried to run a marathon? Did the lungs start burning just a little bit? And he, he's writing here and to try to let us know that this race, the Bible says the race is not to the swift, okay? It's an endurance race. It's an endurance race. And then it says that let the cloud, it says we are surrounded with a cloud of witnesses. But then it says fixing your eyes, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame. And so we've got to, you know, we've, we've got to, when we're here, we assemble, we encourage one another, even our young people, even our kids. And like, like Larry there, right? And I, I'm blessed because I live close proximity to my grandchildren, right? I want you to know. They are a motivator to me. You are a motivator to me. Right. Because every time that we come together, when I see you, when I see you here assembled on a Wednesday night even, I know that there is within your heart a faith that is, has an endurance to it, and it still wants more for God and is still reaching out 
knowing that we haven't, we haven't finished the race yet, but we're still in that race. And then, ultimately, of course, as uh, we close here, but the sharpest thing of all, does anybody know what it is? What's the sharpest thing of all? Word of God. What does that, what does it tell us? Hebrews, what? 12.4? 4.12? How sharp is the Word of God? It is so sharp that it will get right into the intent and the thoughts of the heart. There you go. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. But it's for a good thing. You ever been in church and and uh, the teacher or the preacher or whatever, they say something and it kind of, you kind of, wow, that's, was that for me? That kind of, you know, it kind of felt a little sharp around the edges there a little bit. But notice what it is. It is to build you up and to correct you, not to destroy you, not to take away from you. It's to add to you because only you know, the Lord, the Word of God along with the Holy Ghost operating, I mean, I don't know if there's anything more powerful, right? I mean, there just isn't. And when God begins to speak through His Word, you know that he is reaching out and he's trying to get you to a higher place, to a better place than you are today. And that's where we all should, we all should want to get. And so every time we come to the mountain, you have permission, provoke your brother, provoke your sister. Tell them how great they're doing. Do something, you know. Even, yeah, even even the kids, right? Even the kids, whoever. Just that's what we're. We want people to know that what what we have inside of us is powerful enough to get through whatever they go through. It's to give them complete victory and give them a life that is fulfilled in God. Do you believe that? Amen. We believe that. All right, why don't we stand and uh, we'll be dismissed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you tonight, God, for this assembly. We do thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for those witnesses, God, that have helped us, Lord that have encouraged us along the way and have helped us, God. We pray that you would continue to work through us, in us, Lord Jesus, and ultimately, God, one day we believe that we will be caught up, hallelujah, to meet you 
in the air, and so evermore be with you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you. Hallelujah. Make sure you greet our friends tonight.